time. We had thought about maybe truncating things a little bit, but but you made the effort to be here, so we're going to serve up a porterhouse steak of a sermon, and we're going to serve it up in little bites at a time, which is why having that, that order of service on the back, or the outline of the message on the back of your order of service might help a little bit. But let's start by by connecting a little bit with with the experience of day-to-day life. Somebody has once said that that in any given season of our life, we're operating in one of three zones. One is the panic zone, right? And in the panic zone, you do exactly that, right? You, you panic because you feel like you're out of your league. Whatever it is that's in front of you, your work or the challenges, you don't feel gifted or shaped or educated or experienced for them. You're in over your head. Any of you ever been in the panic zone? Hands up. And the rest of you are just flat out lying, right? <laughs> you've been there. If you've never been there in the panic zone, uh, actually come see me. I'll let you preach the next five sermons in the series here. That'll do it for you. But at the other end, panic zone on one end, at the other end of the spectrum is the drone zone. Right? In the drone zone, everything just comes too easily. This is a job that's just far, far underneath your capacity and your talent. You've got 12 cylinders, uh, just a powerful engine in your life, and you're only firing on two of them. So your work is mindless, it's tedious, it's boring. Everything is predictable, everything comes easily, no challenge. And boy, it's hard just to stay awake sometimes. It's the drone zone. And somewhere between the two extremes of panic and the drone zone is what this writer called the C-zone. And in that case, he used the letter C to stand for challenge and confidence and commitment and control. But here's what he was getting at. This is the place where your abilities and your gifts and your talent and your experience line up perfectly with what it is that's in front of you. We might better actually call it the J zone for the for the joy zone, because there's nothing quite as thrilling as being able to engage yourself in work and activity that you feel equipped for, that you feel good about, that sense that this is just what I was made to do. I'm wired up in such a way that I feel like I'm competent for this, and I feel like I'm being used effectively, and it makes a difference. And I think it's not too far to stretch things in, in saying that, that that analogy of somewhere between panic and, and, and drone is the place that God wants us to live. Just a quick little recap. You remember last week we, we said that, that, that God is, one of his unique attributes is that God is a giver. Everything that we have, a gift from God. For God so loved the world that he gave. And that's, that's probably the most accurate description we have of what God does. And among the many things that God gives is you. There's none quite like you. He he made you absolutely unique. We said that God doesn't like copies. No two things that God made are the same. No two trees, no two animals, no two human beings. Why doesn't he like copies? Because we know an original is always worth more than a copy. And you're something of value. And in trying to give some sense of, of what it is about you that makes you unique, we, we fell upon this acronym, the word SHAPE that's up on the wall. Now, our, our 9 o'clock crowd had a lot of trouble with this. So let's, let's see how you do. Does anybody remember from last week what the S stands for in SHAPE? Oh, man. <laughs> Spiritual gifts. There's the young people with nimble brains. 
<laughs> your spiritual gifts. What has God gifted you to do? The H is your heart. What are you passionate about? What, what excites you? What is it that puts the quiver in your liver? The A is abilities. Just natural abilities that you were born with in your life. The P is for personality. And those who gathered for our small group on Monday night, all 75 of you, wasn't that small as it turned out, uh, you spent some time thinking about how personality is a reflection of God's design in your life. And then the last one, letter E, is for experiences. All of them. Your vocational experiences, your relational experiences, spiritual experiences, even the painful stuff. God doesn't waste anything. And all of those things get used as God shapes you for the purpose that he has for your life. And so today what we're going to start to do is unpack each of those in detail. Today we're going to look at the letter S at spiritual gifts. And before we we dive too deeply in that, I just want to situate spiritual gifts within a broader conversation about the gifts of God. And I want to begin by pointing out that when you first step across the line, When you take that step of saying, I want to be a follower of Jesus, I'm going God's way, not my own way, I'm going to let him direct my life, and I'm going to try and do what he has wired me and made me to do. The moment you step across the line and put faith in Christ, God gives you four major gifts. You see them outlined there on the back page of your order of service. Here's the first. It's it's the gift of forgiveness. And I think we should say this, folks, that even if there was no such thing as heaven, there is, but even if there wasn't, it would be worth coming and getting my life right with God just so I don't have to carry around the negative effects of living without forgiveness. Most people did not live happy, adjusted lives because there's this constant burden of guilt and resentment that they truck along with them. Guilt over the things that they've done to other people, resentment over the things that people have done to them, and it makes them miserable. And the answer in both cases is forgiveness. Sometimes we need to ask for it, and sometimes we need to offer it. Listen to what the Bible says, Romans 5, verse 15. Jesus Christ brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gifts. The first thing that Jesus does is says, we're going to wipe that stuff away. It's forgiven, it's forgotten, no condemnation, let's move on. It's a good deal, right? It's a fantastic thing that God gives. Forgiveness places all of that stuff in the past. And then the second gift is the gift of eternal life. You might call it the gift that just keeps on giving because God has long-term plans for you. I want you to be with me, and you're not created for for 20 years or 40 or 70 or 90 or whatever the number winds up being for you, were created for eternity. Romans 6.23, here's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death, that's the bad news, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You're never going to work your way towards it. You're never going to earn it. The only way you receive it is as a gift. Forgiveness, eternal life. The third one is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls him the Holy Spirit, as if to say that this is, this is the living, empowering presence of a personal God in your life. I'm not just going to be somewhere in the past, in the sidelines, or on the edges, looking in on your life. I'm going to be there inside of you. Romans 5.5, 5, God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with his loving presence. How do you know? That the Spirit of God is at work in your life? 
you know because it just starts leaking out of you. Beautiful, descriptive words. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The, the signs, the markers that there's something spectacular going on inside of you. Now listen, I, I know for being honest, Many of us have days where we don't feel like God is active in our lives at all. In fact, some of you would say, I've never really felt what that feels like to have God in my life. Can I say this? It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. You may feel full of God. You may not. It doesn't matter. The feelings, the emotions are secondary. It's a fact. And God says, you can trust me in this. So, alongside forgiveness and, and eternity and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we get to our topic for the day. God endows his people with a unique set of special abilities. The language in the Bible is spiritual gifts. When you put your faith in Christ, he gives you some unique attribute, often more than one, that can be used in order to fulfill the purpose of your life. The Bible has lots to say about this. 1 Corinthians 12 that John and Anna read. Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. This is not supposed to be a mystery. Too many of us go through our lives without ever knowing that these exist, without ever knowing what they are. They just kind of lie dormant like a field that's fallow, never planted in our lives. The spiritual gifts that God gives you are given by design with purpose. Listen to what Paul says earlier in that letter to Corinthians in chapter 1. I never stop thanking God for all of the generous gifts that he's given to you now that you belong to Jesus. How he's enriched the church with eloquence and knowledge and all of the spiritual gifts that you need. Notice the language he uses, that God is using these gifts to enrich the church. These are corporate gifts. They may reside, each of them, in you individually, but they're meant for collective, for community use. 1 Corinthians 12 again. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us. That means everybody gets at least one as a means of helping the entire church. So what are they? What's a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a unique ability that God gives to you in order to equip you to fulfill the purpose of your life. God will never ask you to do something for which he has not equipped you. It's given to you the moment that you accept Jesus. You don't get to choose it. God says, I already chose it for you. You don't earn it. It's a gift. It's sovereignly given. And here's the really important thing. It's not given for your own benefit. Your spiritual gifts are not given to you for you. They're given to you so that you can help other people. And then other people in the church family are given gifts so that they can help you. And if I don't use my gift and you don't use yours, the whole body of Christ gets cheated. It's kind of like, imagine laying out and working forever on an enormous puzzle on the dining room table, and it's all complete, but it's missing one piece. And as beautiful as the puzzle is, your mind just obviously gravitates to the one thing that's missing. It's kind of what happens when, when we don't take the time to use what God placed into the church for the collective benefit of everyone. 
The Bible has these lists of gifts. It lists over 20 of the different spiritual gifts. I, I think there's more than that. I don't think the lists are meant to be exhaustive. It's sort of a for example. They're illustrative. They're different from natural abilities. Some of them may appear the same, but they're different. Natural abilities, they have sort of natural things in mind. Spiritual abilities are given for spiritual purposes. Let's think about natural abilities. How many of you can curl your tongue up in the middle? Oh, Carol. <laughs> she stuck her tongue out at me. I was looking right at her. About 53, 53% of you can, can curl your tongue. The rest of us are rejects. How many of you can roll it back on itself inside your mouth? What a cool ability that is, right? How many of you can wiggle your ears? How many of you can wiggle the ears of the person next to you? <laughs> I mean, these are rather pedestrian, obviously, right? But, but each one of us has some natural ability. You've noticed that, right? When you see kids, it doesn't take too long after birth when their natural abilities begin to emerge. Some kids are just born performers. They're cute. They love showing off. They're fun to watch. They know you're watching them, and they want to perform even more. Other kids, they're just kind of retiring. You look at them, they look away. Uh, That's just their nature. Maybe they're more reflective. Maybe they're more introspective. Some of you are great at math. Zafar, God bless you. You and your math. You keep us on track. Some of you are good at mechanics. Some of you are good at art and music. Some of you are born coordinated and you're fantastic at sports. Others of us have no sense of rhythm or coordination or balance. Pray as we might, God has never given it to me. When you're born again, In other words, when you have a spiritual rebirth, you you come to Christ. In addition to the natural abilities that you were born with, you're given a new set of spiritual abilities to do spiritually impactful things. Again, spiritual gifts are intended to produce spiritual results. For example, have you ever noticed or felt a difference between a teacher and then a spiritually gifted or endowed teacher. There's a big difference. The difference is between information and transformation. A teacher can give you information, but when you're sitting under the ministry of somebody who is gifted, endowed with the spiritual gifting in the area of teaching, it transforms people's lives. It changes them on the inside. Have you ever noticed the difference between somebody who's just naturally good at singing and somebody who's good at singing, but layered on top of that is the spiritual gift of encouragement? Over here, a talented singer, they may finish their performance and think, wow, that was great. Over here, he's just think, wow, God. Wow, God. Because it's a transcendent moment. It brings you into the presence It's the difference between somebody with artistic ability and then artistic ability and layered onto it are gifts like encouragement or or exhortation. Have you ever felt the difference between somebody who's just working really hard to try and encourage you? They can see you're feeling down, but they're terrible at it. And at some point, you just want to say, listen, thanks, but it's not happening. And then there's other people, and it might have nothing to do with what they said. In fact, maybe they said nothing, but just their presence does it for you. That's spiritual giftedness. They are the additional abilities that God gives his people to accomplish his purposes. Now, as we did last week, 
I want to spend a few minutes asking the question, why does it matter? I mean, why, why should you care beyond the fact that you trucked your way over here in the middle of a snowstorm? But why do you need to know about this? And here's the first reason, and it's, it's kind of an important one. Your spiritual gifts shape your work. Remember last week we talked a little bit about architecture and one of the key principles in architecture that form follows function. You tell me what it is you want a building to do and I will design a building that is best shaped to do that. If it's going to be a church, it might look like this. If it's going to be a cafeteria, it might look like that. If it's going to be a hospital, it's going to be a different thing. That's architecture. But when it comes to human beings, it's exactly the opposite that's the case. Your function follows your form. Figure out how God shaped you, what he's given to you to work with, and then you have a great idea of what you're intended to do with your life. Your spiritual gifts are one of the ways that you understand the shape of your work. It started with Jesus himself, who said, John 9, verse 4, I'm here to do the work that the one who sent me equipped me to do while there is still time. The work of the work, or the work, working the works of the one who sent me. And Jesus knew that it was time limited, right? I don't have forever to do this. I'm here because I'm not going to be here forever. And it's true of you and I both. Paul put it this way. He said, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. We weren't put on earth just to be a placeholder taking up space and consuming resources. You're here to make a difference, to make a contribution. You say, what contribution can I make? It's based on your shape. Survey after survey of North American workers has said the same thing. Most people are in the wrong job. They're in a job that they are not shaped, qualified, experienced to do. They're not passionate about it. It doesn't line up with their talent or their interests. Why are they doing it? Purely economic reasons. They're not good at it. They're not shaped for it. It just puts some money in the bank account. Let me say this to you, and it's a risky thing to say. But if you feel trapped in a job that's not using your talents and abilities and tapping into your passions, the shape that, that God has given you, get out of it. Get out. Life is too short to waste on a job that doesn't express who you were made to be. Even if it means taking a cut in pay, even if it means moving or schooling, get out. Life is too short. God didn't put you on earth to make money. He put you on earth to make a difference. And the greatest things in life, it turns out, aren't things. Do the work God shaped you to do. In fact, Maybe you want to write this down somewhere on the back page of the bulletin. Would you write this? My gift, my gift is the power to bless others. If you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift. You have at least one. Probably you have many more than that. And when you deploy that gift, the ability that God has given you, it blesses other people. My gift gives me, gives me the ability to bless others. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 12. We read these verses this morning. There are different spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit gave them. There's different ways of serving, but the same Lord has called us to serve. There's different kinds of work to do, 
but the same God is at work producing every gift in every person. There's that word comes again and again, three times, different. Different gifts, different ways of serving, different types of work, but we're called by the same God and the gifts save, serve the same purpose. They are meant to bless. When you know your gift, you can answer the questions like, what is God's purpose for my life? And not only that, it helps you navigate a lot of really difficult situations because your gift will determine how you respond to different situations. And because we're gifted differently, our response is different. This leads to so much conflict. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, uh, people who work together in the same environment. Let me give you a great example. This is from a colleague, a pastor. Imagine I have a bunch of you over to my house for dinner. And following the main course, dessert is about to be served and it's being brought up to the table. The person serving it spills it all over the place. Disaster. How you respond to that situation will be determined at least in part by your gifts. For example, somebody at the table has the gift of exhortation. They'll say, that's what happens when you're not careful. That's the problem with this generation. All that multitasking, they're not focused. They need to be here and then... Exhortation is the gift of correction. And sometimes it hurts and sometimes it helps, but it's there as a gift. On the other hand, if you have the spiritual gift of mercy, maybe you just want to say, it's okay. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Everybody falls every once in a while. We've all been there. Your goal is to foster healing and, and, and forgiveness and just to relieve the embarrassment in the room. Somebody else might have the gift of serving. And they're probably already up out of their seat. Hey, say, just leave it to me. I'll clean it all up. It's okay. On the other hand, if you have the gift of teaching, you'll probably say, you know, the reason it fell over is because it was way too heavy on one side. In fact, the Greek word for to spill comes from the root word lopsidio. It was lopsided. And you can tell which gift I have. If you have the spiritual gift of giving, you'd say, don't worry, I'll run out to the store, I'll buy another one. You won't even miss a beat and we'll be enjoying dessert together. Maybe some of you have the gift of administration. So important. And you're the one saying, you go get a mop. Um, you go fetch the new dessert. Uh, you get clean linens. And, and you make sure the conversation doesn't grind to a halt while we're getting it all done. Your gifts. They give shape to the work that you do and the way you respond to life. Here's another reason why you might want to spend a little bit of time thinking about it. Your gifts say something about your worth. Your gifts say something about your worth. They show how valuable you are because God has given these things freely to you. The reason that so many of us struggle is because what God says about us ranks less in the area of importance than what other people say about us. As a result, people spend so much time trying to prop themselves up in the world, to feel better about themselves. But deep down, they don't accept themselves. That's why we said last week that 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 failure to accept yourself really is an act of rebellion. It's a way of saying, God, maybe you knew what you were doing with all these other people, but you blew it when it came to me. Because you wouldn't have made me the way you, me, you made me if you really knew what you were doing. Listen, if God wanted you to be somebody else, you wouldn't exist. But He wanted you. And He made you to be you. 
And in a world that's teeming with with books and online videos and courses about self-esteem, really there are only three things that you need to hear to cultivate a healthy sense of who you are. Here's the first. God created you. You were His idea. And all the details of your life were mapped out by Him. Secondly, that, that Jesus died for you. That's how valuable you are to Him. And thirdly, that God takes up residence in your life. As part of that residency, He has gifted you with these remarkable abilities that show your value. Here's how the Bible puts it. We are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10. If you've never found that verse and circled it, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece and He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do great things. Things that He planned out for us long ago. Here's a little bit of my gift coming through. Do you know the word masterpiece comes from the Greek word poema, which is the same word for poem? <laughs> You're a work of art. You are God's poetry written for the world. You're an original. And He's put into your life all of this stuff. Gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experience. And all of it says something about your worth. You're needed. You're needed out there. You're needed in here. You're needed in this community. If you weren't needed, God wouldn't have made you. And if you weren't needed here, God wouldn't have put you here. You are all a part of the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12 says, if you read on in verse 12. That's the Bible's language for the church. You're all part of the body of Christ, the church, and it takes every one of us to make the body complete, is what the verse reads. We need you in the church. And maybe you think, well, MCBC, maybe it's big enough that they don't need me and I can just kind of remain anonymous. He brought you here, and He didn't bring you here just to sit and soak and sour He brought you to make a contribution and everybody's needed. There are no little people in the family of God. God forgive us when we teach it or when we believe it. Maybe you sit there some Sundays and you look around you and you think, boy, that person, they're a star. And I got nothing. You know the most important light in our house? We have one of those kind of fancy chandeliers. It was probably the most expensive light in our house. It turns out the most important light in our house, to me at least, is the little wee night light that comes on automatically just outside the bathroom. And it comes on more and more for me these days during the course of the night. And I would absolutely not live well without it. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody thinking they're a chandelier and I'm just a nightlight, but it's not true. The Bible says that each of us will find our meaning and function as part of the body. The way you discover it most deeply is by being connected here. It's here that, that it shapes your work and shows your worth. It's here that we get to do it together. Here's a third observation. Your gifts, they, they're a form of worship. Worship isn't just what we do here when we we stand and we sing and we we kneel and we pray and we listen to God's Word. Worship is anything that that we give to God that that gives God delight. And I think nothing delights Him quite so much as a human being living fully 
the way that God made them to live. When you're doing what you're made to do. Some of you remember the scene in that one movie that I was allowed to admit to seeing as a teenager. The, the Chariots of Fire biography piece on the life of Eric Liddell. Eric was a, uh, an Olympic caliber runner. He also was raised in a devoted Christian family who kept saying, God wants you to be a missionary. You need to go to China. You need to follow his will. But, but at one point, he had to choose between going to the Olympics or going to the mission field. And, and this is what he said. God has made me so that I can run. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. There's something about him fulfilling his design that was worshipful, that brought pleasure to God. Your gifts are an act of worship. Here's here's the last little observation there. Your gifts are a kind of a witness. What do I mean? Remember Jesus said, let your light shine out in front of people. They'll see the good that you do. Not just the words that you say. They'll see the good that you do, the life that you live, and they will give praise to your Father in heaven. When you use your gifts, not only does it make God happy, and not only is it fulfilling for you, it's a witness to other people. And sometimes we use the word evangelism, and then the fear comes over people's faces, and, oh, i got to go to the street corner and, and speak to people about Jesus, and that's not me. And, and we think of the stories of the kind of people that hop on an airplane, and by the time they hop off, the entire cabin are worshiping, and the crew want to join the next big crusade and whatever it is. But, but that's not me, Lord. It never happens to me. I never lead anyone to Christ. There are as many ways to tell the good news as there are shapes in the world. Thousands and thousands of them. You don't all have to do it in the same way. Your gifts will be a witness. Last thing we wanted to do today. I told you this was a porterhouse. Are you full? Yeah. I just want to spend a couple of minutes talking about a next step, how you might use these things. And the reason I say a couple of minutes is because I don't think we can do this well in this environment. That's why we've created the the Monday night, the small group opportunity for you to come and do the deeper work of discovering your gifts and discerning them and, and using them. But at some level, you recognize that you have to know a little bit about them before you can start putting them to use. And for some of us who've been neglecting them, we just need to hear that reminder. Do not neglect the gift that God has put in you. Figure out what God has given you. That's what tomorrow night is for. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. We examine the gifts. And we evaluate them. We think, what could God have given to me? What is it that, that, that I'm good at in this area of spiritual giftedness? And then we place it in front of other people and say, what do you think I'm good at? Because other people are going to see it in you usually before you see it in yourself. Because you think it's normal. Shouldn't everybody just be able to do this because it comes naturally to you? But it doesn't come naturally to them. And so you elicit their feedback. Not only are you examining these things, you're evaluating them and you're getting their feedback. What do you think God has blessed my life with? And those people who know you begin begin to give you feedback. And then you experiment a little bit. You test it out. You try some things. You're bold. You're risky. Some things you've never tried before. And then you get more feedback. Again, the counsel of other people is so important. I may think I'm a swan. 
But if everybody who works to me says, no, you're a duck, I'm probably a duck. Right? Uh, our capacity to delude ourselves is still ever-present. But be honest, the sane evaluation. We examine, we evaluate, we experiment, and we're waiting for God to reveal what we can do. But here's the key principle. You can't do it just by staying still. People trying to discern the will of God, just sitting in a chair, not doing anything. It's like trying to steer a parked car. You have to get in motion a little bit, and then the steering happens. Try some things. Get out there. Volunteer for something. Show up. Start using your life to help other people. And then watch as the will of God settles in in a discernible way. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. You might want to rededicate yourself in this area. Maybe there's something that you know you're good at, but you know you haven't been using it for anything good for God's purposes. And you just need to step aside and say, God, thank you for giving me this ability. I want to rededicate it to you. I want to give it back to you. Romans 6 says, give yourself completely to God since you've been given a new life. You have all of these gifts. Use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. So you discern them, you dedicate them. You're going to need to develop them because they're there, but sometimes they're dormant or they're down low. Any gift that God gives can be developed. How? Practice, learning, studying, learning from other people that share the same gift. When God gives you something, if you use it, God tends to give you more of it, whatever it is. More talent, more relationship, more responsibility. So you discover, you dedicate, you develop. Here's the fourth thing. Deploy the gifts. Deploy the gifts. Put them in service. You get out in the field, you actually start doing something. Romans twelve six says this, we're all to use our different gifts in accordance with the grace God has given us. The gift is to speak God's message, we should do it, but whatever the gift is, it's used in accordance with the faith that we have. That's God's plan for the church. Here's what I'll do, God says. I'll give everybody, every single person in the church a gift. And I'll make them dependent on the gifts that are in other people so that everybody has a place, everybody has a role, everybody gets involved, everybody can contribute, and everyone gets rewarded. That's the design. And that's probably enough. Except to pray. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Maybe you want to make this a prayer that you offer up in, in personal terms, saying, Dear God, I accept your free gifts today, the free gift of forgiveness. Thank you for, for setting aside the things that I've done wrong, and I'm trusting in you. And dear God, I accept today the gift of eternal life in Jesus. I know I can't earn it. I know I don't deserve it. But you've given it just the same. Lord, I say thank you. Dear God, I accept the free gift of your spirit at work in my life. God, would you live in me and through me and fill me with what I need to enact the purposes for which I've been created. And God, I accept the gift of those abilities that you've given to me. Help me develop them, discover them, dedicate them. And use them to be the person you made me to be. In your name we pray. Amen.